Hello and welcome to We're Not Wizards. This is a, a special edition and we talk about this a lot on probably every single episode. So tonight, um, this episode is going to be called Hi Ho, Hi Ho, It's Off to Winter War We Go. My name is Richard, this is We're Not Wizards and this is the Dwarf Special. Um, and joining me tonight, we have got John and we have got Greg. So say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> um, first of all, guys, uh, thanks very much for coming on the show. I know this has been something that we have been um, we've been talking about for a little while. And um, the reason we've got you on is because there is um, an event coming on, um, going to be coming on shortly called Winter War, which is going to be taking place at the club that me and Colin frequent so it kind of gave us the opportunity to 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 get you guys on to talk about that to talk a little bit about dwarf and obviously to talk a little bit about the the hobby yourself now for anybody that is um, joining us for the first time the reason that we do this is because there are quite simply not enough podcasts out there about board games and there's also not enough podcasts out there where you've just got a group of guys given their opinions on stuff. So, um, again, thanks thanks for coming along. Um, just, I mean, obviously great, um, Dwarf's been established for some time, but as far as kind of getting involved in the hobbies, uh, the two years, um, do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about your background within maybe kind of the board game type universe? Um, John, if you want to start, tell us a little bit about your history. Yeah, sure. Um, so my history can be traced back to, and Greg's heard this story before, one specific shop in Dunfermline that sadly no longer exists that used to be a model shop slash fishing tackle shop on the new row. Oh, yeah. Um, and when I was in that shop one day with my birthday money when I was 12 or so, walked in and they had this box and it said Horace Heresy on it. <laughs> and I was like, I want that. So I bought it and took it home and played in Big Brother Simon at it that day. Uh, and we've been playing the same box with the same game now for coming up 25 years. <laughs> do you... um, and, <laughs> and yes, you... we do keep a score. <laughs> do you see... Have you got a little slip in the box? The, to see the slip one? vanished mysteriously when Simon got a few hundred games ahead. Really? Um, yeah, but we still play it. And it was the original... GW Horace Heresy box with a board and there were no dice, there were no plastic figures, it's little cardboard tokens and you're basically replaying the invasion of terror from the Horace Heresy which you know 25 years ago was a, a little bit of fluff in the 40k universe that's now this massive monster that's part of GW's huge sprawling 30k 40k universe um, so I started there and that was my first ever board game that I loved and played. Did that give you a kind of a hunger and a taste to get involved in into other games as well then? Well, yeah, because the first time, I, then I went back to the same place and I only had enough money to buy a magazine and I bought White Dwarf. Oh, yeah. Um, and it had these pictures of these models on it and I'm like, wow! Because <laughs> they're cool. And so I kept buying White Dwarf and every so often I'd have enough money to buy a model. And I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know anyone that played any of the games and 
went to high school and I found some kids at high schools that played Epic. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. So we we started playing Epic at lunchtime, and we were real. I, I went to Invicine High School, and um, the high school one side of the playing fields got lots of houses. Yeah. One of my mates, his house, fence, gap in the fence, straight into the football pitches at the play, high school. So at lunchtime, we would literally run to his house, in mm. the back door, straight up to his bedroom, mm-hmm. play Epic like you do when you're 13, in other words, following no <laughs> no actual rules, just running and playing what we think is the way the game should be played. Yeah. And then five minutes before we had to be back at school, back out of the house, run back to school, cross the football pitches, and that's us. We did that every day. Did you get a chance almost. to ever get lunch then? Or did you did you jump in um, the dinner queue and then... No, his mum would make his lunch. <laughs> really? His so you had, bring us. you had yeah. board game a la carte? Basically. Well, I mean, yeah, pretty much. And, <laughs> and then we discovered this thing called 40k, and mm. and that was really cool because, you know, pew, 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 space marines. Um, and then you discovered that there was more games and stuff like that. Um, my only real regret is I kind of, at that time, just ignored the other stuff that was in White Dwarf. I'd look, oh, there's pictures of knights or pictures of dragons. And yeah. I'd never really got into that. Because I was too busy looking at the Space Marines and the Eldar, and we played Epic and that, and then I realised much later, you know, that actually I'd missed some quite cool stuff. <laughs> um, so from that, it just you know, board games, sci-fi, fantasy, you name it, give it a shot. Um, really, kind of didn't dabbled in lots of stuff, but didn't really get into the hobby per se properly till about ten years ago. Yeah, where I um actually. A friend, a guy I, I met, said, "Oh, I occasionally go to this club in Dunfermline, and I was at work, and I found out that Greg worked in the same place. And I'm like, sent Greg an email at work. Do you do this club thing? Because somebody told me. He's like, yeah, yeah, come along. Here's details. And that was how I first went to Dwarf. Oh, cool. So what about you? What about you, Greg? I mean, where did you? How did you get involved in this? Um, the cardboard wonder. That's kind of like board gaming and stuff like that. What was your journey? Well, I suppose I firstly was a war gamer. A very similar oh. story to John in the sense that a little shop that's sadly no longer with us, a jeweler's <laughs> come hobby shop, went in there one day, So, what was 40k third edition, picked up, you know, went home, saved up, came back a few months later, was able to buy it, uh, I was about 12 at the time. Uh, so it took a lot of pocket money to buy 40k even back then. And yeah, we just suddenly for the next sort of 10, 15 years played played war games. Uh, obviously started coming to Dwarf. Uh, continued to play uh, any of the, the war games the Games Workshop did really, whether it's 40k or Fantasy, Necromunda, Blood Bowl. Never really did a lot of board games, that was something that always happened at our club, but yeah. I didn't necessarily do that until uh, one fateful night I was uh, perusing the, the blogs of uh, some of our members and stuff and I saw one of our members post that he wanted to go to, the, to Gen Con which oh, uh, right, yeah. turns out that's quite quite a big thing in our community. <laughs> it's, a reasonable, uh, it's a reasonable size yeah. conference. So yeah. I thought we agreed never to mention that word, Greg. So, <laughs> so <laughs> foolishly, I'd been looking to go to, I think, one of the Comic-Cons or something. out to something else. It's fine. Yeah. And he, his, his blog post effectively was that he, he wanted to do this. He, he 
you know, he was looking to see if anyone wanted to come from Scotland as well or go with yeah. him. Uh, but obviously he was prepared to go alone if, if there was no one else. So foolishly messaged mm. him and said, look, yeah, I'll come with you. Why, why not? <laughs> and uh, yeah, if you're, if you're going to get into board games, yeah, Gen Con's probably the place to do it. But uh, and Is it not a place where it is just the proverbial massive sweet shop and it's a case of you know there's jars of sweets on there but you're not exactly sure what they taste like but they all look so good that you end up buying almost like you're waiting sweets. Yeah. I mean, sorry, go on. Yeah, I, I was even the worst of the, the party from Scotland. They uh, they all brought back considerably more than me. But uh, I uh, I did buy a fair few games and stuff and, and really got interested in games because of, of playing them at Gen Con. So uh, when I came back, I started obviously play more board games at our club and also joining another uh, predominantly board game club called East Nook mm. uh, Tabletop, which is uh, in another part of Fife. So, yeah, that's further up the yeah. Is that further up the coast? Yeah, doesn't yeah, it? yeah. So, yeah. so that was how I got into uh, into board games. Do you still do you still have any of the games that you got from Gen Con? Was there anything that you kind of stands out for you at the time that you kind of bought? And thought this is fantastic. That's me. Yeah, converted. Yeah, I look around and think. I think uh, uh, Ticket to Ride. That oh was, yeah, that was obviously the, oh, the quite that. important one. I think uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse. Oh right, I'm yeah, okay. Not hundred percent sure if that counts as a card game or a board game, but uh, yeah, these you know still play them. I think I think like a great many people that go to Gen Con, I, I sadly still have some things I bought that are still in wrappers. They haven't, really? they haven't quite got round to, to all the games. That's maybe a, going back to the original point about it being a, a just an impossibly sized sweet shop. That, that, yes. that is a problem that even a, <laughs> sort of, what was it, five years later, I'm still looking at, yeah, one day I'll, I'll open that. So is there anything that's sitting there just now that you really, really want to play that we should, we could do a, cer- we could do a, a ceremonial unwrapping or have you got to the point where you're like, kind of like well, that's sealed. And I kind of like it sealed, so I'm going to keep it sealed if you don't mind. Yeah, some of my uh, Sentinels of Multiverse expansions and stuff, they, you know, I'm just so used to them now being sealed, just moving them about. <laughs> you just kind of get them know. as they are. <laughs> Greg is literally sitting there tracking their value on Board Game Geek. <laughs> it's just <laughs> check. It's like the stock market, because you know what I mean? It's like cardboard, currently more valuable than the British pound. That's <laughs> probably <laughs> true now. <laughs> Pretty much. But, well, you know, I've seen. Um, I've seen currently. There's that new. Um, what's that game? Mechs versus Minions at the moment, which is just re- re- um, being released. And I see it was. It was. It was originally selling for about seventy eight pound or something. I've seen people already try to um, flaunt it on Board Game Geek for like a hundred and twenty, a hundred and thirty pounds because the next wave isn't coming out until kind of another two months down the line. So. <laughs> Hmm, scalpers. Yes, that's an entire topic to its to its kind of self. But um, obviously, mo- moving on. Did you guys ever touch? Because you sound like you went in quite relatively heavy and quite hard. Did you ever touch the kind of the the kind of the lighter games like your Hero Quest and your Space Crusader this side, or were you already kind of quite firmly bedded into the um? Were you quite firmly bedded into kind of like the more heavier kind of games workshop stuff, John. Uh, no, I I um I played Hero Quest. Um, in fact, on the the 
box. It's by a bed. There's two complete hero quest boxes. Uh, part of my pension plan. <laughs> <laughs> Are they complete? Have you even got the little sorcerer's table? Everything. Everything. Even the cardboard round the sorcerer's table. Everything. <laughs> I, I I took five years or so carefully putting these together from about a dozen different boxes. Really? So I've actually scraped together a two complete Hero Quest sets just for the purpose. But one that I actually wanted to keep complete and then ended up with enough to do two, so I've kept them. Oh, that's the, pretty the, cool. But I, you know, I carefully got enough so I had good condition boxes and stuff like that. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, the, uh, the, the first big box I ever bought, uh, ignoring... The, the one I mentioned before was mm. probably Space Hulk. You know? Oh yeah, okay. Um, but you know, very much because you, know, it's one of the, I think, for what a lot of people decried them. One thing GW have done really well over the years is, and it's something that the, the last few years they've really done particularly brilliant at is they land some awesome one shot boxes or they get some great introduction to both board gaming and war gaming boxes. I mean, Space yeah. Hulk. The first edition speakers a great example. It's a great, I'd say, a great board game. Yeah. But actually, for a lot of people, I've played this board game and oh look, it mentions this other game and it turns out this other game's forty k and it becomes a war game and you know it, it influences both board gamers and war gamers and people like myself and Greg and you who, who sort of cover both. Yeah. Movies. Have you got the first um, edition of Space Hulk then, or have you seen? Yeah. Have you? Did you get the second and the third ones as well? Yeah. <laughs> Both in shrink crap still. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, what about you, Greg? Have you? I mean, did you go into the kind of the the hero quest, advanced hero quest, space crusade stuff, or were you kind of firmly in the kind of the games workshop camp yourself? Yeah, I, I was a foolish one. I was too busy saving up for more and more space marines. And yeah. I, uh, how many how many space marines did you end up having? I'd, I'd be ashamed to say. It's just. So, I don't so think many. no. I don't think there's anything wrong because we had Brian Wade on here um, about um, an ep- an episode or two ago, and he had a collection of magic cards that would potentially drown a small elephant. So I don't. There's no shame here, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it more than fifty? It was. It was considerably more than than fifty. Was it less than a thousand? It was probably approaching that. Well, that's okay because if it was below a thousand, then that's fine. That's acceptable. Right. We're all we're all good. With, You've got to get to a th- thousand because that's a chapter. Then <laughs> you asked Greg that question, and in yes. my head, I literally said, "Not enough." Really? You said, "Have you have him? Did you buy enough space marines?" No, he didn't. No, you can never. Have clearly, was other spa- There's other stuff to buy. There's always enough space. I mean, then if you've got space marines, and once you reach a certain level of space marines, then there is the option to always do customization. And then you're into a whole painting and stuff like that. So it's a whole different range of stuff that you can do and you can sort yourself out on, basically, yeah? So it's all yeah, it's yeah. all very, very good. Um, I mean, that's one area where I suppose that um, it, it shows the sheer diversity of pretty much all aspects of the hobby, as people call it. You know, mm. I know people that, that don't play games, but buy the models because they love the models, they love painting, they love doing exactly that they customize them they produce these sometimes pieces of artwork you know you look at some of the stuff that's on cool money or not and mm. these people have taken a little plastic figure that comes from a, a box like space space hulk for example or hero quest mm. and they turn it into this thing that 
you'd stick in a museum and go or an art gallery and go that's art yeah i mean um, i've seen a lot of the times i've seen on um it's kind of become a little bit of a fashion for kickstarters that involve miniatures I've seen a couple of campaigns now that offer kind of a fully painted professional set of kind of Kickstarter figures for like the £500 mark. And there are regularly guys that have Facebook pages that say, give me your zombie side sets, give me, you know, give me your space marines, give me, you know, give me your cold and your young and I shall paint them up and make them look beautiful and fabulous, which becomes a... You know, it's not just about collecting the miniatures. As you say, you can go ahead and paint yourself, and I would never do that because my painting's dreadful. But there are people out there who will have an entire collection of um, very, very well, beautifully painted miniatures. I think um, one of our other guests, Duncan Malloy, spoke about his um, uncle having an almost pristine painted kind of collection of um, of Hero Quest. Um, Every single thing was looking was looking absolutely stunning, you know, which is kind of good. Um, moving on, what? Obviously, we've talked a little bit about the past, but what about the the present just now? Is there anything? Um, is there anything that you've been playing at the moment, say, Greg, that you, do you maybe want to? Yeah, tell us about yeah anything that you've been playing recently, which which is quite was kind of got your interest and in, you know you'd like to tell us about. Well, I've been playing quite a lot of Flashpoint, the board game. Oh, yeah. So, which is, yeah, re- uh, yeah, really those sort of cooperative games have been uh, doing quite well for me recently. So, Okay, what's um, what's Flashpoint all about, if you want uh, to maybe you, explain? Yeah, you are tiny little firefighters. Uh, mm-hmm. Between, I think, four to six players can play it. And uh, mm-hmm. you have a, a, a map that represents a little house, or in our case, in one of the expansions, a, a submarine. And I believe there's also an airplane expansion. And obviously you go about the board trying to fight the little fire tokens, try to rescue the uh, the people. It's yeah, it's it's been quite quite good. We've played that quite a lot recently. So how does it work? What's the mechanics behind it? Do you get kind of like moves and actions for it? Um does somebody play the kind of like the the fire version of it? How does it how does it kind of work from that point of view? Yeah, so it is just how you would describe it. You are randomly allocated a different type of firefighter. So there's one who's particularly good at fighting in the fires. There's one who's particularly good at rescuing people. Mm-hmm. There's uh, the imaging specialist, uh, very good at... Uh, the people you have to rescue are, are points of interest. They, only once your firefighter gets to them do they reveal if they're real people or if they're, if, you know, if, they're, if the tile's blank, effectively. So the imaging specialist right, okay. can can tell if they're people from a distance. Uh, right. Okay. And then there's another fire engine who who another firefighter who's particularly good at using the fire truck, which is another advanced sort of set of rules. So mm-hmm. you have to, and I think you have the fire captain as well. He he can have especially spend his action points on other models, like move them about the board quicker by spending his action points. So you you build up your your random team, and yeah, and then it's a. As you would expect from a cooperative game, you you are trying to decide. Okay, I'm the, I'm the firefighter who's good at fighting fire, so I'll go in this room and get rid of the smoke markers or the fire markers, and mm-hmm. I'm going to leave this person because actually behind you know the player to my right is going to be 
the one who's good at rescuing people, so you can get that person out quicker. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's okay. you know, I'm not 100% sure what the technical term for a game like that is, but it is Is it kind of like Pandemic then, where you've got like a continual threat that you kind of have to control, yeah. and you use, do that through kind of like using certain skills? Because it sounds like each of the players, it's almost like asymmetrical in its skill set, kind of like Pandemic, yeah. and then you're kind of like controlling against a, a kind of a main threat. Yeah, no, that, is that that's how exactly you would, yeah? how you would describe it, actually. It's a lot there like you go. Ten points to me. Fantastic. Um, is that something, you, have you been playing that for a little while? You've been playing that kind of on and off quite recently? Yeah, well, then. I first played it maybe a year ago or so, but we've, we've played it uh, sort of six or seven times in the last sort of two months. So it's that's probably been the, oh, the game cool. i played the, the most, I would think. Uh, okay. But also myself and John have uh, an ongoing pandemic legacy uh, campaign yes. at, at Dwarf. Oh. So you can see us every few weeks at Dwarf, uh, getting nervous about how's ripping that, up cards how's and it stuff. Going f- how's that going for you at the moment? Um, it- don't want to spoil it for people that haven't played it, but we're the ones in the corner all in the fetal position <laughs> from about 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock <laughs> on a Friday night. Is it Tent City? Oh, the um, we, how many months have we played now, Greg? Five months? Are we in May still? I've lost. Yeah, track. this is about the fifth month. Um, now. Fifth month, yeah. So, for, for, if you, if anyone that hasn't seen Pandemic Legacy, it takes the the basic mechanic of Pandemic, which is a, a really good game, um, and adds a layer of a couple layers of complexity, but turns it into a living board game. So, each time you play it the actual game changes so you physically make alterations to the game board you, you end up removing characters adding characters to the game um and there's a, a thing in the mechanism called the legacy deck where you physically go through and end up doing things like destroying game cards and and possibly killing your character if you're not careful and literally you physically rip up the character card and stuff like that you know, um and each month in the game you play the, a different game and it so far been challenging, brutal, pretty funny um, and has induced cold sweats, I think, in all of us at least <laughs> once or twice a night. So is it a game that, I mean, I've heard people that have like, bre- are not breezing through it but have managed to have kind of like clear months. I've had um, other people that said it's been fantastic but it's been very, very challenging. To you, so it sounds like it is kind of like cold sweat, stressful. Is it? Is it kind of borderline enjoyment, and is it kind of borderline endurance? Then is that how well, it's kind uh, of working out? Yeah, we we've had. Um, I mean, we've had. We played not the last game we played, but the one before. We started, sat down, set the game up, picked. You know, we talked first. You know, with the four of us that were playing, myself, Greg, uh, Dave, and. My, Simon, my brother, who mentioned before, the four of us that were playing uh, on that night, and um, discussed, we got the setup, read the mission cards, turned over the month card at the start of the game, did what it said, started playing about 25 past six, and we were done within half an hour. We literally won, completed the objective, won the game in half an hour, and we were like, wow, that was, you know, we were on fire, it was fantastic, and then we said, right, okay, let's put it away, Play other games we've got with us. 
we a few weeks later we agreed another night, went along, opened the box, got set up, and it just kicked our asses. <laughs> it literally, it's like the game knew it had been sat stewing in Dave's house for a month, going, ah, "No, I'm not taking That's that. It, yeah, yeah, I'm getting them. I am literally ripping them a new one." You're gonna get your asses kicked. So we sat there for, and it was an hour of just, and we got to the end of there and we're like, what happened? How, what went wrong? And mm. we're like, there's 25 new stickers on the board. Mm. We think we might have killed Dave. There's <laughs> Dave wouldn't be happy about that because I think Dave, you know, would make his feelings heard if he, yes. um... <laughs> uh, and so we were just, so it, it, you're right, it, it's, it, it is a ridiculously rewarding game, I have to say, you and the fact that there are consequences, you know, it's not like... And don't get me wrong, some games have immense replay value, but some games you get to the end and you think to yourself, mm, has that really made me want to go back for seconds? Yeah. Um, you know, some games, I've played some board games, I've got to the end and I'm like, actually, you know what? That was fun, but I'm not going to rush back to revisit it. Yeah. Whereas this, there's the challenge and you know that there's consequences and you know that there's going to be the games evolving and the way it does evolve as long as you don't spoil it for yourself it's quite good i know some people that have played it that have looked on your twitter done read blogs etc and there are people out there that are blogging their playthroughs and tweeting them and it's quite easy to spoil the game if you're not careful by looking at that sort of stuff thankfully yeah i've not um, yeah uh, but i know some people that have and it's ruined their enjoyment of the game i think Mm, that seems like a yeah, I think it's one of these things you, you really have to shut yourself away and enjoy it yourself because because there are obviously certain surprises that you don't open the rule book and turn to the end and find out. It's not like a traditional game where you find out, oh, everybody gets advanced skills or upgrades until they can do whatever they want, basically. It's not that kind of usual kind of path of um, path of progression. Um, is it something you're going to continue to... I mean, Greg, are you continuing to enjoy it yourself? Are you having as much fun as John sounds like he's having at the moment? Yeah, I'm, I think I quite like it. It's, uh, I tend to only... Mm. Uh, there seems to be a group of us that play it, and I, I tend to only turn up when we win. So for, for me, it's quite <laughs> it's quite good, you know? Yeah. I, I, think, I, think we've, I think we're like... We've played seven times, and we've won four and lost three. And Greg oh, right. has literally turned up on the four wins, and that's it. So, so Greg's had a much more sunshine-filled experience than than yeah. everybody else. Then, basically, which is all, <laughs> which is kind of good. Are there um, between the two of you? Are there any games that either of you are kind of have seen recently that you've thought you'd like to then? They're like future purchases or games you'd like to kind of keep your eye on. Anything in particular, Greg, yourself, that you've seen that you'd like to get your hands on? So I do know one, but I can't for the life of me mm. remember its name or or pronounce <laughs> it. But if I go to my Twitter, I know I tweeted about it. On Itama? Let's do that. On it, What's that? Onitama? Onitama. Okay. Onitama? O n i t m a. T a m a. So it's it's like a, a variant of uh, kind of like chess. You have uh, five chess-like pieces. On Dave a, Wright was talking about this, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I, I played Dave at that. Dave Dave taught me that. Yes, it's a it's a great little game. You have effectively four pawns and one king on a mm. 
five by five board, so obviously much smaller than a normal chess board. And yes. effectively, you're still you're trying to do exactly what you do normally in chess, which is kill the the king. Yeah, I'm yes. sure they're not actually called kings. I think they're called monks and high priests or something. Uh, but you you can't move traditionally. Yeah, you can't move traditionally how you do in chess. There's a deck of cards that show your your movements, and you you only play with five of the cards from that deck. So at, at any one moment, player one has two of the cards, player two has the other two, and the fifth one is, is floating in the middle. So you can only perform oh, yeah. two of the five possible moves, and then whichever move you perform, you swap that out for the floating one. And so in, the, in that way, all the moves cycle around. But of course that means that inevitably when you, you could take the enemy king, actually you discover that the two moves you have are not won't allow you to do that. So and similarly so, sometimes you, you don't want to do a move because you know it'll put a move that will allow the enemy it'll put that move from your hand into the floating position, which would obviously allow the, the opponent to get it. And it might obviously be, be good for them. So it's 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 kinda of like chess, but there's a it's a, obviously a lot quicker than chess, but there's there's a lot of different aspects to it. And it's, it's it's really replayable simply because it's a deck of moves, and you but you only ever use five at a time. So mm. it's kind of thing that's it's very much a best of three sort of thing. I think every time I played it, uh, it's um it's arcane wonders that do it. Is. it. It's right. um, the same guys that do um, Sheriff of Nottingham, yeah. and um, I'm just I've actually seen it on the site. The reason that I know about it is because. Um, Dave has done. He's done his own podcast recently, hasn't he? Um, with with um, a f- um, friend of his called Liz. Yeah, and, that's right. Um, it's called. I'm going to plug it because I listened to it, and he's he's a he's a decent lad, and we we do like a we do like Dave. Um, it's called End the Turn, and the first episode has just come out, so that's a kind of a a middle of the show plug for Dave. But we got a lot of time for Dave. He's a he's a good lad. So um yeah he talks about um Onitama um in the show as well as a whole pile of other kind of games as well so that's uh, yeah so are you that's something you you're going to be kind of grabbing hold of yeah then? only because it's out of print just now so oh, um, going back to what we were saying about people maybe putting games on eBay for hmm. ridiculous prices i think when it was originally released it was about the 20 pound mark in the UK because of course it is yes. just 10 10 chess pieces and what is effectively a mouse mat divided into 5x5. Five five. Uh, mm-hmm. But I believe the currently it's £68 on Amazon if I want to. That is, Although that's, yeah. that's the Amazon marketplace rather than, than Amazon. UK. No, that means there's somebody, yeah, yeah, so somebody, somebody else. Someone has it that then, yeah. and realises it's out of print, so he has uh, more than tripled Boosted the, it. Uh, <laughs> more than tripled the price. <laughs> But, uh, He's paying, paying towards his pension payments at the moment. Yeah. That's what that'll be about. So once Arcane Wonders brings out a second... I believe this is the second or third reprint of it anyway. I know yeah. that the, the version Dave has is not the first edition of it. He said, I believe the, the packaging's increased in size. One of the good things about it is it's a really great travel game because you, uh-huh. you simply have a 5x5 five five board and yeah. 10 pieces. So, But I believe okay. one of his, his gripes about the version he has... Is that it is a? Is that the box size has been increased with the second reprint, so it's maybe not as portable as he, as the first edition, but yeah. hopefully in the next reprint I'll be able to get a copy of that. Well, if you, I mean, anyone out there, if you are, um, if you are looking at um, 
being generous because it is almost Christmas is upon us and Greg um, is looking to give a copy of Onitama a home then get in contact <laughs> hashtag get Greg some games perfect I like that there we go <coughs> what about you John you've been uh, what, what about you is there anything else at the moment that you've kind of you're coveting you want to get your um, hands on you want to give well, love to you want oh. to beat Simon at <laughs> beating Simon's a whole different kettle of fish um, <laughs> the 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 thing I am currently really desperate to play is uh, Rails and Sails um, I'm not saying Rails and Sails unless there's something stupid there which is the next part of the Ticket to Ride universe um, yes, yes. Uh, so I in my non- board game, war game and world like trains my, my, my real hobby is I like trains, I'm a train spotter mm-hmm. um, so if you show me a game with a train then you will literally, you, you can lead a horse to water but you can't make a drink if you show John a picture of a train, a game with a train <laughs> you can make him buy it you make him um, do anything There you pretty go. much, it's like oh look train and I'm like oh train um, so what, what happens is is you know, they released these add-ons for Ticket to Ride and I buy them. Uh, yeah. UK edition, I buy it. New map, I buy it. Oh, look, you buy it. So so I've not bought it yet. I was going to buy it, but I ended up not buying it and you know, I've managed to control myself. Um, but um, Dave, who we've talked about already, has got a copy um, and I was desperate to play it, but I've not had the chance yet. But I have to say, you know, for me, it, you know, the whole... Every ticket to the ride game from the first to that one absolutely floats my boat. Um, they're competitive games. I like competitive games. I, love, I don't mind. I like playing co op games, but you know, I, I like beating people. Let's put it that way. I like winning. Mm. I don't like losing. I lose a lot more than I win. Mm. Let's be honest. Um, other than that, the, 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 there's one that we've played a lot relatively over the last like year or so that we go back to every so often that I absolutely think is brilliant. But I, I have never got past the point of hating it. Um, and I don't know what it's really called, but we call it a horse and a bow. Oh, right, okay. And, and Greg can tell me what it's really called. Um, can't you, Greg? Come on, Greg. I want to say um, Art of War or something. Art of War is Art of War. Um, so what it is, and while I look on board game geek for what it's called, <laughs> um, is this is live research as we talk. Live research, yes. Is it's um, a dice game where you get this set of dice with uh, six-sided dice with different symbols. So there's a picture of a samurai, one sword, two swords, three swords, a horse, and a bow. Mm. And what you do is you roll the dice and using uh, the sets it, of it's dice. It's actually Age of War. Breaking, breaking news. Age of War. That's Age of War. Breaking, by, uh, Age of War. Our friends at Fantasy Flight Games. Exactly. And, breaking yeah, news. Age of War. Age of War. And, but we call it a horse and a bow because literally the number of times you're standing there rolling dice and you've got to get these combinations. So you've got to, to capture these castles, they are. You, you might have to have a samurai, six swords, two horses and a bow. And when you oh, roll right, the dice, okay. so you go, right, I've got a samurai, great, I've got the samurai, I've got enough swords to get horses. So you And then you, you, you go, right, okay, I've got four dice less, I'll roll them and hopefully get enough. And literally we have all the group of us that have played these games you know when we've played it it's become a chant where all i need is a horse and a bow and you roll the dice and you get seven samurais oh, God, and, you, 
<laughs> and every time you roll, you have to discard a dice. Just after a horse and a bow, and you don't it sounds a like a, a country and western song, almost, it doesn't it? It feels you like know. one as well. All I need's um, a horse and a bow, kind of thing. The mechanic is really simple. It is random. You're rolling a handful of dice into either a dice box or a, you know, onto a table or whatever, and then the element of skill is once you've you're know, getting the sets of castles to get a set to get the points, and you're know, challenging stealing castles of other people. And do you go for the easy ones? Do you go for the hard ones? Do you do you try and get a set? Do you spoil other people's sets? So that, but the, ultimately the the underlying mechanic of you roll a handful of dice is so frustrating, but so mm. much fun. The random thing of dice is something that me and Colin have spoken about in the past, and it's something that we're not entirely fussed about when it can lead to extreme game-changing consequences that sometimes having the dice there um, having the dice being such a random force that can alter the sway of a game we don't entirely agree at but I I, I think in some games I've seen that is is a major factor in spoiling a game but Mm. I think with this game and another game Tiny Epic Galaxies is a good example. If the actual mechanic of what you then do with the dice and how you can use those dice to, you know, capture a castle or or take somebody else's castle off them by by and spoil their set and then challenge you, make sure that you and and you can the mechanic you end up using the dice for. Hmm. If that's done properly. It doesn't negate the randomness; it just makes it a better challenge. Yeah. Um, no. I mean, we play we we play tiny epic galaxies fairly often because that's a great half hour wee game. Yeah. Um, and that relies on your roll dice, and you've got to manage what the dice do. You get symbols, you use them to do different things, and you know, we played it a few weeks ago, Greg, didn't we? And it it's one of those games where you just quick into there's a random element, but there's also a challenge element, and there's an element of gameplay and one up and ship and bluffing your opponents, and if it's balanced properly, it's great. But you're right; if it's not done well, it ruins the game. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. So, yes. So, Art of War, trains and sails, and a little bit of uh, Onimata would be all nice on the Christmas list uh, this December. And obviously, December leads us into winter. And what a better time than to lead into our little chat where our little reason that we were going to have this conversation in the first place, which is to discuss um, Winter War. Now, for those who haven't, well, for those who I hope have listened to more than one episode, um, one of the things that I talk about and me and Colin talk about is going to Dwarf. Now, Dwarf is... um, Dwarf is a club that's run every Friday and also occasionally props up on the holidays on at the weekends as well. And um, I'm in no authority to talk about it because I have not been going along, I think, I mean, two, two and a half years now. I was thinking back and it has been kind of like two and a half years now. But um, Greg and John, the reason that I've kind of asked them on tonight was to maybe explain a little bit about the about the club because it has become a bit a little bit of a podcast meme we talk about going to the dwarf club we obviously get the guests coming back with hilarious kind of jokes and stuff about it but 
Um, Dwarf's been going quite some time, hasn't it, gentlemen? Um, I mean, how long have you how long have you kind of been a member of it for, Greg? If you want to tell the tell the good people. Yeah, I've certainly been a member for the last fifteen years. So yeah, and it was going well before, before before that. So we we reckon it might be about twenty five years old by now, in some form or another. Yeah, Yeah, so I would say quite a quite a long served club. Is it the same people that have been going to? I mean, have you seen? I mean, you must have seen people almost kind of grow up in the place kind of people that start off coming around as kind of teenagers and then, you know, like yourself, starting off as teenagers and then kind of growing into kind of young adults before reaching the kind of their adulthood. I mean, if, if, is there a kind of a lot of familiar faces that you've kind of grown up with almost at the club? Yeah, there's certainly a core element of membership that have, yeah. have always been the same and stuff in terms of the, mm-hmm. the committee. Uh, but yeah, you do ironically see some people who who come back to the club much later in life and, and tell us that, yeah, they, they first played Warhammer at Dwarf, you know, when they were at school, like 20 years ago. And now they're, now they're coming back as an adult to pick up the hobby again, which is it's, crazy. It's quite a, a common theme, actually. I mean, I've been, what, about 10 years now. Um, and, and, you know, in that time, I've seen people come along 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, like all those teenagers, they get to university age, they discover, you know, student union rates for beer and, uh, you know, drink and uh-huh. you know, discover girls and boys as, as required and then go away and cut. And then, to, and, and then that time, you know, suddenly like not seen them for five years and they come back and it's like, I've been away and it turns out this is what I want to do anyway. So they're back. <laughs> they we, come we, back we again. Quite often. Um, I mean, I think one of the reasons why as a club where, successful is the fact that the there is a, a fairly solid core of people who for whom it's a lifelong hobby um mm. you know if you think about the greg said the club's been out 25 years some of the guys in the club like brian forrester who's our chairman for life yeah um he doesn't want to be but we're not letting him resign um <laughs> he you know him and there's a few other guys in the club that have been playing games together since they were in high school yeah and you know they've been doing effectively the the club as it is now was them meeting up after they finished school uh-huh. with with friends and other people turning up and you know the, there was a period where i think it was just called the games club wasn't it greg um, yeah that was what it was originally to, called the games club the games yeah. club yeah where did okay we, so where did dwarf come from because when was the point where somebody said, actually, we can get a cool name out of this, or yeah. we can get something that somebody will say, you what? Yeah, I think it was a bit of a, a backronym, wasn't it? That we yeah. we, we knew uh, the word dwarf started with D, like Dunfermline does, <laughs> and we, we just kind of forced the uh, the rest of the letters in there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, kind of made it up. Yeah. You like what happens if you couldn't have something in? It must. How long did you get stuck on F for? Well, uh, <laughs> I, I think fortunately we can pretty much date the the dwarf name because I think the first Lord of the Rings movie was just coming out. Well, I say the oh, first right, one, but the first okay. Peter Jackson right, one yeah. was coming out at the time. So yeah. it was kind of it was kind of obvious that the Fellowship of the Ring would, would yeah inspired us. So I think we can we can kind of probably date the dwarf name to. About that first well, 
What, what and I then, think is, is particularly yeah. funny is the fact that the full name Dwarf Dunfermline Wargaming and Roleplaying Fellowship. Yeah. Um, and, and I always think it's a bit ironic. It's sometimes if on a Friday night if you're in the club, you there are <laughs> occasions where you go in and you go in the main hall and it's war games. Yeah. You go in the, the either the, the front room or upstairs occasionally and the, there's role playing groups. And it's like, are you sure they're the same club? <laughs> there's not really that much fellowship. But then there's there other is a nights bit of where, a separation, isn't there? Yeah. And then there's other nights where there's just huge amounts of mingling going on. So it, I think it's horses for courses, but it is quite funny. I mean, one of the, one of my particular highlights is the weeks that you know I go around and do the the money collection and get everyone's token pound mm. entry, um, and I, I I try and make a mental note of what's being played, mm-hmm. um, and one I think this, the reasons why we are successful as a club is we aren't a war games club, we aren't a role playing club, we're not a board game club, we're not a card club, we're a no. we're a club, you know, yeah. We, you can play what you want, when you want, what you want. And, you know, the, the number of nights I've gone around and I've seen eight, nine, ten different plus game systems being played. And on top of that, people making their own games. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's quite brilliant some nights. You see 60 people playing a dozen different games. And it is 60 people. I mean, the the hall will be full on one side and then the small room will be full on the other side. And then there will be... It's always been quite welcoming. I remember when I came along for the first time and kind of being quite nervous because you're going into a huge room full of stuff and then kind of it was almost like rocking up to somebody and going um board games mate and they went nah through the back with with the other lot and uh and then yeah i mean that was when i kind of bumped into all the guys that we normally talk about you know kind of like your um you know leo and andrew and you know Andy and, and you know pretty much you know everybody else that we've seen Kieran and you know all these guys on a kind of a weekly basis and it was a nice it was almost like it wasn't like a it was a case you could just sit down and if you had something to play then people would kind of they would get involved and it was also interesting as it's not just the number of people that are playing games but it's also the number of people that are maybe just sitting there and having a chat and catching up and you know, rather than playing stuff all the time, they're also kind of just sitting down having a good old, good old natter, and that's what kind of keeps me coming back to it. Because not only is it a chance to play, play a hobby, but it's also a chance to catch up with some people that started off as acquaintances, but in many ways of uh, started off um, turned into kind of many ways kind of friends. Um, what are your thoughts though? <laughs> now there is obviously a potential issue with the club and is that I am aware that on the last kind of maybe three months there seems to be a burlesque club that has started (laughs) that kind of runs from about, I don't know what time it is, but it kind of runs upstairs. Have we put any contingency plans in case people go into the wrong halls? Do we think the guys would cope? I'm going to say there is no concern on that point. (laughs) I... I was sent upstairs to meet uh-huh. the burlesque club uh-huh. uh, for reasons we don't need to go into, mm-hmm. um, and it's safe to say there is no concern there. Yeah, that's good then. That's fine. That's fine. I just um, don't want there to be an incident, basically. No, no. Um, I, what what is actually quite funny is I went up to um, to meet them, um, met the instructor who I was like, mm-hmm. you know, 
my name's John, I, this is what we do, you know, just mm. so as you know, Friday night, we have a lot of people, it is mostly men, um, it's not that we have anything against women, it's just that they really don't like turning up for some mm. reason, um, mm. we've got a few, but you know, we'd like more, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> after about 10 minutes explaining what we did, etc., about two weeks later, she brought her husband along to see what we did. <laughs> and he's come <laughs> so along a couple of times since. <laughs> so they send, she sends him downstairs. Right, you go play yeah. board, you, you play some board games. I'm going to go and do some times. dancing. Yeah. So that's good. So, so yeah, so, um, yeah, they're, they're actually, uh, uh, actually, what has been apparent is that they don't get many people, unfortunately. She never gets more than three, four people in a school oh. at least a couple of times. And well, that's a shame. She she needs more people, otherwise it's not viable for her, which is a bit of a shame because she's yeah. trying to to make a living and do something she enjoys and make it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we don't. You know, I think one of the great things about the fact that we've got uh, the club and we have is that I've personally never felt in any way, shape, or form that um, there's ever been any issues that really to speak of in the club in terms of. Uh, accepting people, welcome people. You know, we've you know, we we've got a a very relaxed structure. We don't have a you know any need for massive amounts of management. We've got a committee. We've got you know Brian's the chairman, mm-hmm. Greg's the secretary, Simon's the treasurer. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we've got our insurance. We're part of the gaming club network, etc. We've got a structure. We've got a constitution. We've got rules that we everyone knows to follow. But ultimately, when you actually, and you probably experience yourself, it's all run with a very light touch. Um, and I think that that reflects the the fact that people keep coming back. You know, they know that it's a relaxed, welcoming atmosphere. And yeah, I mean, people want to be kind of, they want to be in a situation where they feel relaxed enough. And because of that, I think, you know, there's obviously occasionally kind of there's jokes and humour that go past and, you know, go between people but there's never any kind of serious there's never kind of any issues there's never any kind of one-upmanship somebody will sit down and say do you want to play a game of this and then somebody will join in i mean there's some people that go there just for the war game and there are some people that they'll set up and they do the role playing and that's what they do um but they're all fairly kind of it's welcoming and friendly and if there's never ever been a kind of a you know it's just everybody kind of gets on and just wants to get on and kind of have a have a good time. Uh, um, it's quite telling that our our most common complaint is that somebody's not put the table and chairs away. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's it. Even you know, guys, put your table and chairs away. Take your recycling with you. You know, literally, that's it. That that's as that's as hard as a discussion pretty much gets most mm. most of the time. Um, and I, and I think that's that's a credit to the club members. You know, the fact that we're able to to everyone's able to turn up enjoy themselves, hmm. be responsible where required, and actually make it a great time for everyone. So fellow dwarfs, we salute you. <laughs> Basically. Um, Winter War. Now, this is the... Um, now, I am not going to risk kind of getting any of, this, any of this wrong. So, Winter War is your, kind of, basically your charity kind of event. Um, Greg, do you want to tell the good people about kind of like what Winter War's about? Um, yeah, this is our ninth year of running Winter War, which is our annual charity wargaming event. Uh, so we, you know, we get the guys together, we play some some war games, uh, ask for 
donations, there's always a, a charity raffle. We donate all the profit we make from it to the charities as well. Uh, and over the last eight years, the generosity of the community has enabled us to raise, uh, I'm just trying to do it in my head, £11,000 for four different charities. Yeah, like, uh, five, four, five, four charities, just over 11, I think. Yeah. I think it was 11, three once we totaled up in the end. So Really? That's pretty impressive. I mean, how many people do you normally get at the event? So it's, it's grown every year. This year already, with sort of three weeks to go, we, we have 105 people signed up. And mm-hmm. then there'll be another okay. there'll be another 10 sort of people just as staff running the event as well. So there'll, there'll be 115 of us actually in the in the room. That's a lot. And mm. in, in honesty, we, we could probably do more. Uh, we're actually yeah. never the, at the point where the space in our building now limits how much we can, how many people we can have. So right, okay. we, we use every conceivable yeah. space and every conceivable table to put games on. Yeah, we are out of rooms. <laughs> so what, ga- what, what games are we going to be, what games are going to be the focus of uh, of this year's event then, John? Uh, well, the uh, this is one area where I think it, it reflects quite a lot of the changing environment of, of wargaming. Um, the the largest group will be bolt action. Um, over the last two years, three years, the club has really developed quite a strong bolt action following and uh, has gained the reputation for doing some really good bolt action tournaments. So I think there's what 36 bolt action players this year, Greg. Um, and then 40k, uh, mm-hmm. which is a good 20 odd players. And then we've got Age of Sigmar, Warhammer Age of Sigmar, which is 20 plus players again. Mm. Then Flames of War, which is about 12. Uh, 12. And then uh, Warhammer Fantasy 8th edition, um, mm. Mm. which is currently only six players. Um, when you go back four, five years ago, um, uh, well, when we first did it, the first year it was simply forty odd players playing Warhammer Fantasy. Five years ago, we had fifty eight players playing Warhammer Fantasy, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Then we started adding forty k, etc. Now, yeah, um, we've got five different game systems, one hundred and five players signed up. Um, That's really, really good, isn't it? An odd number really doesn't help us, though. We need an even number, <laughs> so especially if any- for so if anybody is anybody's round about the area, obviously what we're going to do is we're going to put you know various links up and everything like that in the show notes. When when is can anybody else kind of join in? I mean, anyone else that's free can they come along and join in? Uh, well, the 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 structure we use for the event is that the um the actual gaming itself is wargaming tournaments. So these are classic Swiss draw. Wargaming tournaments to determine an overall winner, um, but we don't take it competitively serious as we do our actual proper annual wargaming tournaments for, for the various game systems we play. Um, so from that point of view, if you turn up on the day, if there's an even number and you make an even number, or there's two people in and we can squeeze people in, then it's not the end of the world. But in an ideal world, we know who's coming in advance, so we can plan food, etc. But other than that, you know, we do have a lot of people who will come along on the day to watch mm. or take photos, and there are a lot of people do turn up just to buy raffle tickets. So, Greg mentioned that the the reason we've been probably so successful in terms of how much we've raised is every year we do a a raffle, yeah, uh, 
pound a ticket and you know we do at first the first year we did it it took 15 minutes during lunch yeah um last year it took an hour it was lunch um <laughs> to uh, for, for me to stand on stage and pull 120 different winning prize raffle tickets out um so people come along just to buy raffle tickets because sometimes you will if you're like me you win the same copy of how to paint a space marine five times yeah. um, or you end up walking away <laughs> with with a brand spanking new box set um you know people have been ridiculously generous over the years with prizes and some people have turned up and bought raffle tickets or been playing on the day and bought their tickets have walked away with you know, hundreds of pounds worth of goods mm. goodies you know box mm. sets board games card games models you know everything you can imagine from the hobby that we, we play um from buying 10 pounds worth of raffle tickets um yeah. you know, uh so so that drags a lot of people through the door and and we're we're honest about it the fact is is that if people are paying 15 pounds to come along and partake in a tournament and they play three games of warhammer or three games of 40k or one of the systems we play we hope they'll have three enjoyable games yeah if all that person's doing is come along and paying 15 pounds to play three games don't buy any raffle tickets they've still actually donated a lot of relatively a lot of money to charity because the only thing we're actually really paying for when we run the event is the food so we yeah. have a a caterer who we use for all our events he provides us with the food at cost so he doesn't he knows it's charity event yeah um the other event we run things like cry havoc which is our fantasy tournament and the various bolt action flames of war tournaments we run any money we make from those is used by the club to cover the running costs of winter war yeah so if somebody comes along plays three games of toy soldiers and pays 15 pounds from that 15 pounds i think last year the maths worked out as about twelve pounds and two pence actually was effectively really a charity. Good, yeah, that's so, really, really good. That's so really, really good. It's not. It doesn't seem like much, but when you've got a hundred people, each of whom pays fifteen pounds, and we're taking twelve pounds of that, we're putting twelve hundred pounds straight into a charity. Straight into the kitty, yeah. That's good. Um, that and is then we good. had raffle ticket sales and stuff like that. So, your know, last year it was three thousand in the end, wasn't it, Greg? Yeah, that, yeah, that's um, right. It, you know, it was. Okay. So, so that means that you know, just by coming along and doing something people enjoy, if that's all they do, then that's fine. You still make some yeah. money, but if they get some raffle yeah. tickets as well, you yeah, can or obviously enjoy, more exactly. Money. And and okay. people donate prizes. You know, people come along, they bring models with them the day, they bring stuff. You know, people bring books they don't want, and it yeah. all adds up. And people go away happy. And you, know, some people come along and you, you know, they drop as much as they want on raffle tickets and. It's like everything else. You win some, you lose some, and people yeah. keep coming back. And that, I think, is also quite a telling thing. We've got people that are, you know, other than myself, Greg, you know, people that are doing the administrative side of it, running the event. Mm. Um, you've got people coming from various parts of Scotland, some coming from England, you who are coming. This year will be their ninth winter war. Um, so some of these people over the years have, you know, each year they've come along and they've they've put their 15 pounds and they've bought 20, 30 pounds worth of raffle tickets. Um, so some of these people, you know, have, have donated literally hundreds of pounds to charity. And each time they've come along, they've had a great day. They've played their games. They've met their friends. Like you say, you, you meet people, you spend as much time as you do chatting as you do playing. Yeah. You have a great day out. 
you go away and okay, you've got a shiny new box, or you've lost your three games, but you don't care. Uh, and that and that's how it's why I think it's so successful is because everyone's coming, knowing full well that at the end of the day, they're really just there to for us to turn them into cash cows. Exactly. And exactly. So, um, Greg, when are they? When is Winter War? What's the dates? And where is it going to be? It's going to be on the twelfth of November this year, uh, starting about nine o'clock. And it'll be in the morning. Yeah, in the yeah. morning. And it'll be in the Del Parkson Centre uh, on Netherton Broad Street in Vermont. And we shall make sure that if there's any information on that, that that will all be in the show notes as well. It's all for charity, so it's for a number of good causes. So if you can get along, come along. And if you've got a couple of quid, Spend it on a couple of raffle prizes. You might be able to pick up something nice. You might, at the end of the day, the worst thing that's happening is you're giving some, you're giving some money to charity. Yeah, we should just mention the charities. They, yes. they are yeah. Bloodwise, which is the mm-hmm. charity trying to stop blood cancer uh, okay. or leukemia, as it used to be known. Yeah, yeah. and Fairy Bricks, who uh, buy Lego for children in hospital. So oh, try to brighten up kids' day when they're in you know the children's hospital for a long time fantastic both um, very, both excellent very bricks is a, a a very they're, they're a small cherry you know that you they're one mm. of those that they, they do something which on the surface doesn't really seem to do much yeah but um i mean certainly i know as a kid that me plus lego was always a wonderful thing you know yeah. i still have boxes of lego yeah. In the loft, you know, I've got stuff that I collected years ago that I'll never get rid of. And one thing that you know, if if you have a look at their website, one thing that they they have to do is they can't take the old Lego from my loft to a hospital. Yeah, you can't, exactly. They can't take it to Ward, so they have to spend sometimes the big money that's required yeah. to buy Lego kits. Um, I mean, well, they're expensive as well. Lego isn't cheap, is it? Lego's not no. cheap, and so so they you know, add. A positive experience that for a lot of people is a horrible time of their life, particularly you, know, mm. younger kids who don't understand why they're having to suffer being in a hospital. Nobody likes being in hospitals, really. No. Um, so I, I, I you know, the choice of Firebricks this year, I think, is one that's really quite brilliant. And you know, the, the couple of guys at the club who suggested it, uh, you know, I think they've hit on something that I think will will do. A, we can do a lot more in a day mm. than than one or two people could do on their own. Um, Cool. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. So if people, say people have been listening and they're intrigued to find out more about, you know, Dwarf, about Winter War in general, how would they find you on this internet type place? What's the best way to find? Yeah. Um, We've got the Dwarf Facebook page. Yes. Um, which is, uh, you'll find just by searching for, if you type Dunfermline Wargaming and Roleplaying Fellowship into Facebook, you'll find us. <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a mouthful, but once you've got as far as the Wargaming bit, it, it's always the first usually, result. Usually yeah. pops up, doesn't it? Um, okay. We've got a website, which is www.dwarfclub.com, which okay. does link to Facebook as well. There's a official club Twitter, which Greg will tell you the handle of. Uh, yes, Greg. Dwarf underscore wargaming. There you go. 
So it's um, worthwhile a follow just to keep up with kind of what's happening as well, yeah. which is all, um, which is always good. We've we've also, if people want specific information about um, Winter War, there there's actually a Winter War uh, Facebook group uh, page. So just search for Winter War 2016 and you'll find it there. Okay. Um, the the links to all the tournament information, uh, contact information is included there. So there's official tournament packs. Um, Email-wise, they can actually contact the club uh, on events at doofclub.com. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, which will be answered by probably me because uh, <laughs> it currently redirects to three different email addresses I've got, Greg, or is it two? I can't remember. I, I don't know. I just know it goes to you. It goes to me. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I manage so that. And, that and this is the... The beggy bit, if anyone out there is listening and thinks, I can't make Winter War, but I mm. think that's a great idea and great causes and thinks, I've got a few quid to spare. Mm. They can also donate by PayPal to events at dwarfclub.com. Remember All right, to okay. use friends and family to save those fees. Yeah, uh, okay. And, and you'll, if they give us their name, um, mm. then we will make sure they get a big thank you and shout out as well in the appropriate places. Because uh, for us... You know, our objective is ultimately to, to raise as much as we can and if yeah. anyone feels generous then every pound counts we'll yeah to... well we'll definitely make sure we mention that on the in the show notes because we have national and international kind of listeners um, so yeah that would be good if people um, do want to donate to some really worthy causes then we'll make sure those links are in the in the show notes as well Um Guys, are you? Do you want to? If they want to find you, do you want to remain? Do you want to remain anonymous, or are you? Do you want to give out your own um, presences on the internet if people want to find you? More than happy if people want to find me, but it's going to be boring. <laughs> There's pictures of trains. Be warned. That's, that's fine. Uh, at the underscore John underscore Harper. There you go. Cool. Yeah, okay. I that thing. And Greg, if people want to find you, yeah. If, if all I do is tweet a countdown to my next trip to Gen Con. So if people want to know exactly <laughs> how many days it is till Gen Con, they can follow <laughs> Greg M Bar. So he's not me. joking, by the way. Literally, that is all he tweets. That's absolutely fantastic. I can't it's think of a days, better way. Hours, minutes, and seconds. I can't think of a better way to use a Twitter account. To be absolutely honest with you, with a but picture if, of the Gen Con. <laughs> It's, it's terrible. <laughs> but if you want to keep in touch with what um with what we're doing, you can find us on Twitter at We're Not Wizards. You can go onto our Facebook page at We're Not Wizards. We are on Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash We're Not Wizards. You can find us by searching for us on iTunes and Stitcher and Acast and you can email us magic at we're not wizards dot com or dot co dot UK. Um I guess a couple of things to say. First of all, gentlemen, thank you very, very much for coming along. I know that we have been um, um, been looking forward to this for a while, getting an actual uh, good couple of people from, from Dwarf on the show. So um, it'll hopefully make a lot of sense what we're talking about when we are talking about Dwarf from now on. Um, I just want to thank you, as I say, both for your time and... Uh, We'll get the show notes full of notes for everybody who um, wants to find out more about um, Winter War and the great cause that it is. Um, but the, I guess the uh, 
the main thing is to remember is that um, we are many things, but um, we're not wizards. Are we wizards, John? Not today, anyway. Not today. What about you, Greg? Are you a wizard? No, no, I'm not a wizard. Fantastic, (laughs) because I'm sick of people telling me that they are. (laughs) (laughs) But again, um, thank you very much, gentlemen, for for being on tonight. Thanks for having me. It's brilliant. So um, the only thing is to just say goodbye. So it's it's a goodbye from John. Goodbye. It's a goodbye from Greg. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me, you lovely, lovely people. Remember, Winter War, jump on the show notes. If you fancy giving a little bit of money to charity, then do that. Until then, until next time, goodbye. Toodlepip.